Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew. And my name is Anna. And you're listening to the Culips English Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Culips. This is Chatterbox, our series for intermediate to advanced English learners that features natural conversations between native speakers about compelling, interesting topics or maybe even a trending event. And today I am joined by my co host, Anna. Hey there, Anna. Hi, Andrew, and hello, listeners. I hope you're all doing well. In the episode, we're going to be talking about a recent work phenomena called quiet quitting. Contrary to its name, quiet quitting isn't actually about quitting your job. Instead, it refers to doing the absolute bare minimum required to keep your job and doing nothing more than that, no above or beyond. Yeah, that's right. And these days, I've been hearing so much about quiet quitting, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. And who knows, Anna, we may even have some listeners out there who are participating in quiet quitting right now, and they may be even listening to this episode on the job. <laughs> who knows? Could be, who knows? I've actually heard estimates that up to 50% of the workforce are quiet quitters, so that would actually make a lot of sense. So then everyone, today we're going to be doing a deep dive into this topic and try to examine it from all sides. Along the way, we'll share our opinions and of course, break down and explain some of the important vocabulary we use to talk about quiet quitting. And for all QLIPS members, there is a study guide and an interactive transcript for this episode, along with an ad-free version of the audio that includes some exclusive bonus content. In fact, everyone, we make study guides and transcripts for all our episodes, and they're designed by our team of expert English teachers to help you build your English skills and reach your English learning goals faster. And as a QLIPS member, you'll also get some awesome extras like invitations to our monthly live streams, full access to our member-only Fluency Files series, and much, much more. So to learn about all the details and to become a QLIPS member, just visit our website, qlips.com, and you can sign up. Now, we'd also like to give a shout out to one of our listeners with the username Millie Souza, who recently left us a five-star rating and an awesome review on Apple Podcasts. Anna, would you like to read the review for us? Of course. Qlips helps me to improve my speaking and listening skills. All the topics are very interesting and easy to understand. I listen to Qlips every day when I'm on my shift at work. I'm a security guard and my nights at work are more entertaining thanks to you guys. My 12 hours at work goes much faster while I'm learning English with you. I love it. Anna, that is a very fitting review for the topic that we just mentioned a little bit earlier ago, right? Like listening to Qlips on the job. And yeah, amazing review. So thank you so much for your support and for learning English with us, Millie, Souza. We really do appreciate it. Now, with that being said, we want to get started with this episode and our conversation about quiet quitting. Now, we hinted a little bit earlier about what quiet quitting is, but I think, Anna, it's time for us to give a proper definition. So would you mind starting us off with the definition of quiet quitting? So I think most people first learned about quiet quitting after the hashtag went viral on TikTok last summer. It went so viral 
that it soon spread off of TikTok and across the internet and was soon talked about in a lot of traditional media as well, on the news, in magazines, and also on the radio. But let's go back to that first TikTok video that kicked it off. It was made by a guy named Zayed Khan, and the video he offered was a very nice and succinct definition of quiet quitting. He said, you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. You're still performing your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. The reality is it's not, and your worth as a person is not defined by your labor. Yeah, I find that super interesting. And before we talk about it in more detail, why don't we just break down the vocabulary that Zaid used in his TikTok a little bit, because it is very useful and very interesting vocabulary. So first, he said that quiet quitting is not about going above and beyond. And to go above and beyond means to do something extra that is not regularly expected. So for example, let's say you work a regular nine to five work shift, but then you get busy with a project and instead of going home at five, like you're supposed to, well, you stay at the office until 9 p.m. You do some unpaid overtime. That would be an example of going above and beyond. You're using your own time to work instead of spending it doing whatever else you'd rather be doing. Now, the next thing that he said was that quiet quitters no longer subscribe to the hustle culture mentality. And guys, this is a really good expression to know, hustle culture, or even that verb to hustle. Anna, could you break this one apart for us a little bit? Definitely, I would love to do that. So a mentality is just a mindset or an attitude, and hustle culture is the idea that success your career and your finances can be achieved through really constant hard work and by sacrificing other things in your life, like your free time, relationships, hobbies, and so that you can spend that time working instead. And that's really what this kind of hustle mentality, hustle culture is all about. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And it's a really kind of buzzword, popular word at the moment. And a lot of my friends use it and they talk about hustling. And in this sense, hustling means just to work really hard to try and get ahead in life or make extra money, or even in some situations just survive, unfortunately, because of the way the economy is. So in this kind of work context, if you hear someone say hustle, then it means to work really hard and try to make some extra money. So Anna, why don't we share our opinions and thoughts on this topic now that we know exactly what quiet quitting is. And I'm going to start by throwing a question over to you, Anna. And I guess I'm just curious about why you think that quiet quitting suddenly became such a hot issue. It's a really good question. For me personally, the idea of quiet quitting and what it's about is really nothing new. I think there's another phrase in English which pops into my head, which is working to rule. And this kind of has some similar things, which is about if I finish at six, I finish at six. I'm leaving and I'm not working and I'm drawing a really clear line between work 
and personal life. So for me, this idea is nothing new. The phrase is new. And I guess perhaps the reason why it became such a hot conversation topic is maybe it's a generational thing. And I know that different generations are looking for different things from their employers and different things that they want out of life. And I also think that maybe people are fed up. I do think that maybe for whatever reason, there's many different factors, but people are always on. I was actually speaking to somebody this week who was telling me that it's really normal for their boss to call them at 9pm at night, or it's normal to have to respond to something on a Sunday afternoon when you're supposed to be enjoying your weekend. So I think there are people that are genuinely fed up of kind of having all of their personal time invaded by work and really wanting to draw that specific line and be like, this is my personal life and this is my work life and that is that. I mean, who knows? I'm sure there's many different factors, but for me, maybe it's a generational thing. And maybe it is because some people are just fed up of having their work life invade all elements of their personal life where they're always on, I guess, is is what I would think. What about you, Angie? Why do you think it kind of took off this phrase, why it became viral? Yeah, well, I think there are probably many reasons. I think big issues like this usually don't just have one specific cause, right? There are usually lots of factors at play. But Anna, before I explain my opinion here, I wanted to go back and tell a very quick story because what you started off by saying was that you don't think it's a new thing. And that kind of made me think of a funny story about one of my friends from high school And it was during summer vacation, and he got a job with the city government doing some landscaping for the city, you know, in the parks and stuff. And he said on his first day at the job, he was really gung-ho and wanted to work really hard and was trying to, you know, put his best foot forward and show that he was really a good worker. And he got in trouble by his manager. His manager said, whoa, 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 slow down. Why are you working so hard? And it was at that moment that he realized that the whole crew of landscapers that worked for the city were working slowly because if they worked too hard and too fast, then they would get more tasks to do and then they would have to work harder than expected, I suppose. So I guess it's true that this is not new because this was like 20 years ago when this happened. And even at that time, there were people who were essentially kind of quietly quitting, right? Like, unfortunately, that landscaping unit was part of the city government. So that means that the taxpayers, we were funding them. And I learned at that time, our tax dollars maybe weren't being spent the most efficient way. But yeah, it goes to show that in a lot of situations, I think people don't want to go above and beyond if there's no incentive to do so. So there was no incentive for those landscapers to go above and beyond, right? They would still get their paycheck like regular and without that extra motivation, like the only thing that they would receive for going above and beyond would be more work, right? So that's like a negative incentive. So to get to why I think quiet quitting maybe has become popular, and a buzzword these days, and I'm no economist by any means, but I think it might be in reaction to the kind of collapsing American dream, if I can put it that way. You know, we always heard, maybe Anna, about our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation, 
where there was this American dream, or we would say the Canadian dream in Canada. I don't know. Do you have a phrase like that in the UK as well? We have a different culture with the United States, Canada, and the UK, so we don't have the British dream. I'm not really sure what the British dream is, but we don't have a similar phrase. I'm sure it wouldn't be as good. We don't have an aspirational kind of cultural phrase. We're much more stoic. We have a lot of things about, you know, stoic and sort of stiff upper lip and things like this, but we don't have that sort of American dream and go for it and that hustle culture, which we mentioned before in the intro. So I think it's a really good point that you're making, actually. Yeah. So just to explain what the American dream, and this is definitely a part of Canadian culture as well, the idea is that if you work hard, no matter what your background is, if you're an immigrant or if you're from a poor country or you have a rough start in life, through hard work, you can achieve a comfortable lifestyle, a middle-class lifestyle. You know, you can afford to buy a home. You can afford to have two cars in the garage. You can kind of just live a very comfortable lifestyle. This was like the promise of America back maybe in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. But slowly over time, the possibility of achieving that is becoming way more difficult than was promised to my generation and to younger generations. We still have that phrase, the American dream, and many people believe in it. But really, if you look at the prices of houses and the prices of cars and just how hard you would have to work to achieve that dream, it makes it really, really difficult for many people to do that. So I think in response to that, if people are working and they're like, no matter how hard I work, I can't get ahead in life. So then what is the point of working? Like, there's no point, right? Like, I just feel like a slave almost. I'm just wasting my life away doing this job with no incentive to get ahead. So I think maybe it might be a reaction to that. That's, that's my best guess is like, hmm, I can't ever buy a house. I can't ever buy a car. can't ever do the things that I want with the job that I have. So I'm just going to give up. I think maybe that's what's happening. Sure, it could be. And, and I guess that comes back to, in a way, that idea of what I was mentioning before, but just being fed up, but fed up with the situation, being sick of a situation. Like you said, there's no motivation here, or there's nothing driving me, or I can't see kind of, I, maybe it sounds a bit dramatic, but I can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I also think quiet quitting is, obviously depends on different types of jobs, you know, and, and different things that people do. So I wouldn't say it's a luxury that everybody has. I don't mean that in negative ways if it is a luxury. But for example, I'm self-employed. So, you know, if I quiet quit, I don't make any money. So that's, I would say that quiet quitting is definitely something that would be associated for me personally with employment in a company. If you're self-employed like me, and, and maybe if you're listening to this, you're, you're self-employed too quiet quitting is not really an option there. So again, I think it's nothing new for me, working to rule and wanting to put in boundaries. And I think that word's really nice because this is a common thing that comes up in English when we're talking about putting boundaries up. Maybe it's in relationships or maybe it's like this where you're saying, look, after seven o'clock, I finish work and I don't want people to contact me or I don't want to be called after work. And the thing is, in reality, I think in a lot of places, actually, there are laws about this, that your work can't contact you at specific times. But the reality is that actually, often, that's not the case. And often those rules are not followed. So I really respect people that are trying to put boundaries in place, because I think that's really important. 
And I think people are fed up and sick of work invading their lives. I guess the question everybody has to ask themselves is how much are you willing to go above and beyond or how much of your personal time are you willing to potentially give up for work? And I guess that question is different for everybody. And I do think there is a generational aspect to that as well. I'd love to ask you then, Andrew, what you think about in terms of, do you think quiet quitting is a problem? Do you think that it's an issue? I guess it depends on the perspective, right? You could think about this from an employee's perspective, and you could think of it from an employer's perspective. And I guess you could think about it from like a general economic perspective as well, right? If you are like a government economist and you are trying to think about the, the health of the economy of your country. And yeah, we can think about this from many different perspectives. From an employee's perspective, and I'm an employee, so I guess maybe that's <laughs> the perspective that I have. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. If you don't see any incentives to, to get ahead in life, then why should you put your all into it? It makes me think of that phrase, are you working to live or are you living to work? And if you feel like you're just living to work, then that's really depressing. And I totally understand why many people would want to give up. Now, I'm lucky enough that I have a job that's really rewarding and gives me some satisfaction apart from just getting paid, right? Like, of course, it's nice to get paid for what you do. But it's also nice to be a teacher and to help people. And that gives me a lot of good feelings as well, right? So for me, my situation is maybe a little bit different. But I could think if I were just like working for some company that I didn't really care about their product or their service, and I was just sitting in a cubicle every day doing some kind of menial task, and I felt like oh, I'm just wasting my life away here, then yeah, in that situation, I would totally be a quiet quitter. I'm not going to lie. I, I totally understand it from that perspective. So from the employee's perspective, makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm kind of a supporter of the movement in that regard. Now, from an employer's perspective, I think it's probably very alarming, right? <laughs> because how are you going to decide and find out and determine who is a quiet quitter and who isn't? And how is that affecting the bottom line of your company? Like, obviously, uh, corporations goal is to make as much money as possible and you want your employees to be as productive as possible as well and so if they're not being productive you're not making as much money as possible and that's an issue i have no idea how companies are going to solve that problem and i'm sure each industry and each company would have a different approach and yeah the other perspective i mentioned was kind of a greater macroeconomic perspective. And I could imagine also that that's a big problem, right? Because you're not being productive. If you have a huge percent of the labor force just kind of doing the bare minimum, then that's not going to be great for like your competitiveness in a global sense. So yeah, I do think that it could be a big problem at the kind of macro level. Whereas on a personal level, I totally get it and I support it. So yeah, it just depends on who you are in life, I guess, whether it's a problem or a solution. Absolutely. I think for me personally, I'm not a big fan of the name quiet quitting. Like that doesn't really appeal to me. And I think it's got a kind of negative connotation for me. And the first thing that throws up in my head, and 
you mentioned there from the employee perspective about maybe somebody who's really unhappy in their job. There's nothing driving them or motivating them. There's no incentive. So my question would be, okay, so why don't you quit then? So it also throws up that question as well. Why not quit? Why not find something else? Like really quit, not just quiet quitting. Why not quit? And maybe try and find something that might spark a bit more interest. Of course, that's a very personal thing for each individual. And I'm not saying everybody has to quit their job if they're not happy, but There is also that question of, okay, well, could there be something else that's more suitable out there for you that might just spark something? And rather than continuing in a job or in a role where you really don't feel very satisfied or fulfilled. So I guess that's a question that would pop up for me. So I prefer personally the idea of setting boundaries. I think that works more for me than quiet quitting. Because for me personally, I think even if I were in a job that I didn't enjoy, I would always try to do my best. I'm not trying to make it like sound like, oh, I'm always great or anything like that. But I think I'd always try and find maybe something that I could do or something that I could do a little bit better. I think that's just the way that I am. And maybe you're listening to this and thinking that sounds like me too. So I guess it would have to be a pretty dire situation for me to really get on board with this sort of quiet quitting. But I am all in favor of setting boundaries. And so that for me resonates more, i.e. setting a boundary. At seven o'clock I finish, I'm not going to answer emails between seven o'clock in the evening and six o'clock in the morning, for example, or I'm not going to work on a Sunday because there's many people out there that work seven days a week. I mean, there are people out there working many different types of jobs. Maybe it's hospitality, maybe it's in the service industry, maybe it's a consultant. There's many people that are working a huge number of hours. They're working six, seven days a week. So there's many people that are doing many different hours and maybe they come to a point where they're like, I really need to set boundaries for my mental health or just for my personal life or just in order to spend more time with my family or just in order to feel sane. So I'm all for setting boundaries. But the question again that I come back to is, why not just quit? Why not quit for real and maybe see if there's something else that works better for you? And I guess from a company's perspective as well, that's better because if you're in a job that isn't right for you, absolutely, as you said, Andrew, you're not going to be as productive, which isn't as good for the company and most importantly, isn't as good for you either. So maybe you would be better in a different role, in a different position, in a different company. Of course, finding new jobs and moving into different roles is difficult and it's a challenge, but that would be the thing that would come up for me is, well, why not quit for real? Right. I mean, that's a a fascinating question. And I think, yeah, it might be generational. Like, Anna, I was really curious to hear your perspective on this issue, actually, because, you know, you said the culture in Britain is a little bit different and you have that kind of keep calm and carry on attitude, right? And so even if things aren't perfect, then you just keep going and fight through it and keep calm and carry on, right? Like that's kind of a cultural characteristic of British people. And yeah, for me, I have no answers to that question. To me, that also makes a lot of sense. Like why, if something's a bad fit, try and change it, right? And that's also my personality as well. I always want to challenge myself and push myself to achieve bigger goals and do better things in life. So I think Maybe if that were me in that kind of situation where I felt like quiet quitting, then maybe, yeah, just quitting and trying to find something better overall is a great idea. But I believe it might come back to this greater kind of realization that a lot of younger people in society are having right now is that like, it doesn't matter what job I have, like, I just can't get forward in life. Like it doesn't matter if I have this job or a different job, the amount of money that I would have to make 
to do the things that society promised me that I could do. You know, if I went to university and graduated with a degree and got a job at a good company, I did all those things and I still can't get ahead. So then like, what's the point of hustling and trying harder to do that? Because it's just impossible. So if that illusion of the American dream is now an illusion and not something that people can achieve, then maybe that's why you would quiet quit. Because like, I guess the feeling of desperation is so deep that it doesn't really matter if I'm working this job or if I get another job or even if I double my salary, it's still like I'm not going to go anywhere in life. I'll just always be a renter or I'll always just be stuck at this level in life where I can't do what I want to do. So I think maybe that is at play, but yeah, I don't know. That's just my gut feeling and I'm not exactly sure. I think it's an interesting point and one thing that when you were saying that about what's been promised to to us. And I think we're kind of in a phase where I feel like there's a lot of mixed messages. And so people think, okay, I have to have the hustle culture, but I also have to make sure that I have enough free time. And I feel like it's a lot of mixed messages. Like, okay, so I'm supposed to work really hard, but also at the same time, I'm supposed to be able to relax too and uh, have all this free time and make sure that I dedicate all of these things to like arts and crafts or something like this. So It's like a little bit of a mismatch because I was talking to somebody about this this week and they were chatting to their son and they're in the baby boomer generation and they were chatting to their son who's around early 20s at the moment right now. And they were talking about something in their contract where they had been asked to work a specific number of hours at the weekend, for example, and they weren't very comfortable with it. I'm talking about the younger person here. And what they said was, well, look, you know, I work seven days a week. And the reason why I've been able, one of the reasons why I've been able to give you this type of lifestyle in life is because I've worked seven days a week or because I've worked above and beyond for many, many years. So I think maybe that's kind of forgotten in the way that sometimes in order to get to these places where you want to go, there is just a huge amount of work that has to be done. And it's like, you're sold this thing of get rich quick as well. That's another kind of, I think, quite toxic message that's out there. It's kind of like, oh, if you do this, you're going to get rich in like two weeks or one year or six months. Or if you just make this one FX trade, then you're going to be a millionaire. So people are kind of expecting to get all of these things, like you said, almost the American dream really quickly. And then I think when it's kind of obvious that normally actually what's required is a lot of work and a lot of time. So I think there's a lot of mixed messages out there right now. It's kind of like hustle culture, get rich quick, but also making sure that you spend or you dedicate a lot of time to your mental health and resting and relaxing. And it's like, well, so I think there's a lot of mixed messages. And I think that's why people maybe feel like they're missold this kind of dream, this American dream or what they were promised, because it kind of seems like you can get where you want to go without maybe doing as much work. But actually, it's the age old rule. If you want to get something, normally there's a huge amount of work behind that or it looks easier than actually it really is, maybe. Well said, Anna. And before we wrap up this episode, I just wanted to touch back on something that you mentioned earlier in the show, and that is that you don't like this phrase, quiet quitting. And in China, they actually have a similar movement to quiet quitting. And I'm not an expert on the inner workings of Chinese society, so I can't really comment too much on this, but maybe if we have some listeners from China, they could let us know in more detail. But there's a similar kind of movement happening in China to quiet quitting, where essentially just younger generations feel like instead of working to live, they're living to work and kind of almost feel like slaves. 
So that kind of movement in China, where people are quiet quitting, is actually called lying flat. The lying flat movement, like they're just lying down and not getting up to go to work, and just yeah, lying flat. So maybe we could use lying flat in a Western context as well. What do you think about that name? Is that better, or do we need a, a better expression still? I'm not keen on that one either because for me, when I think about lie down, I'm thinking about horizontal, which is like if you call somebody horizontal, it just means somebody who's really laid back. So for me, yeah, it kind of has that touch of laziness in there. That's just my perception of the term. I don't think people are are lazy that are doing that, but it's hard for me to put myself in other people's shoes that are in a job that they really don't enjoy. They're not getting a lot of satisfaction from. So of course, it might be different if I was in a different situation. But as I said before, I'm self-employed. So if I quiet quit,、uh, I'm not going to survive. And everyone, I think that will bring us to the end of this episode. So that is it for today. But thank you so much for tuning in and for studying with us. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and found it helpful for building your English. And this episode was made free for everyone to listen to because of our awesome Culips member community. And without them, guys, Culips wouldn't exist. So, as a token of our thanks, Anna and I are going to keep our conversation going for just a little while longer in the ad-free member-only version of this episode. Now, as a Culips member, if you're listening to this regular version and you want to get the ad-free version with the bonus content as well, you just need to log in to your account on our website and navigate to the dashboard, and you can do that there. If you're not already a member, consider joining to gain access to our helpful study guides and transcripts, fun bonuses, and to support the work we do at Culips. You can also support us by joining us on the Culips Discord server. Following us on Instagram or YouTube, telling your friends who are learning English to check Culips out, or by leaving us a five-star rating and a positive review on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, and we'll talk to you all then. Goodbye. Bye. See you soon.